We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed, disease in remission, stories rewritten. We're Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, and we nurture the champion in every child. We fight the forces that threaten them, and we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. My wife's name is Heian, and as there are many homophones and homographs in Korean names that have different meanings, her He is related to wisdom and her Yun to a particular Asian concept of beauty. Her name then roughly means wise and beautiful, and I don't contest any of that. And it is true that she often drops little nuggets of wisdom on me that either teach me something totally new or that freshly encapsulate something I might have already known. Recently, while out on an afternoon date at a patio restaurant, we were reflecting on how pleased we were with where we are currently in our lives, and specifically how rich we felt in our lives because of the choices we make with our money, and how we are getting richer, and not necessarily financially, because of the types of things we have grown to enjoy, and how we enjoy them. And as we got into the theme, Han was talking about how when she was starting out as a young professional, she used to spend her salary on expensive bags and clothes, contrasting it to the lifestyle we currently live, which is far many material luxury in terms of brands and high-quality goods. Instead, we feel we are accumulating luxury in our lives in terms of our time freedom and in the richness of our experience. Being on that high-floor patio overlooking the park on a sunny afternoon with good food and wine, for instance. And there's much more than that, which I'll get into in, in, in just a bit, but first... I want to share what she actually said, the one line that struck me in an instant as a theme for this show. So after discussing her old self and the brand name items she used to buy, she said, perhaps not verbatim, but something like, I don't care about that stuff anymore. I want to wear my experience rather than expensive clothes and bags, etc. And I was like, well, there's a Mr. Brightside show title. And then we expanded on it a bit, describing what that means, which is that she wants to spend her money on experiences, enriching her mind and life, expanding her tastes and appreciation for ever wider aspects of life. And then it was the idea that this shows through in one's carriage and being, so that we in effect wear that experience. And then this brought us to talk about how we've really spent lots of money, almost ruined ourselves a couple times, going to Canada, for instance, among other trips. And I'll tell you about that in just a minute, but I want to stress before I start that this show is never a prescription, at least not in specifics. Yes, I'm prescribing fundamental approaches and principles of thinking to guide specific choices, but never specific choices. The varieties of individuals and the kinds of lives they may shape for themselves are as endless and diverse as the universe is infinite, and it's up to each of us to decide for ourselves what our best life looks like. So when I share personal experiences and examples, it's never about prescribing what one ought to do in terms of concretes, but only to suggest that generally, choices based on certain premises might lead to better or worse outcomes. I'm saying this in part because I saw in preparing my notes for this show that, and the personal experiences I'm going to share that it may seem that I'm boasting of a life filled with grand experiences as, yes, you're going to get an Instagram glimpse of some of my life. But let it be clear that I get up and get to work and to living every day and it's not all glamour and leisure. Although I have to add in this that perhaps the main underlying theme of the Mr. Brightside is that with a little appreciation, even the mundane day-to-day does acquire some grandeur and joy. But let's stick with today's specific theme. 
And to solidify my disclaimer, let me add, for instance, that I just yesterday saw my brother take his son out on a perfectly gorgeous evening for their first round of golf for the season, and then back to his home where he was going to enjoy watching playoff hockey on his deck with the brand new furniture he just built for it. There are a million reasons in there why none of that is possible to me, and I don't know which is more impossible, me enjoying the kids I don't have or the prospect of me building anything. Another friend of mine was sharing photos of him out tenting in the backyard with his daughter, and there are loads of other aspects of his life which I wish I could experience. Such lives and such experiences are impossible to me, as I've made different trade-offs. And I could say that I envy them, although envy is not really the right word, but for lack of a better one, I envy those things, or perhaps I might say that I admire them. So with that understood, let me go on now and share some of those Instagram images of my life. So Hannah and I first got married in the last week of an innocent six-week trip to Canada, which was only intended to be a you know, bring-the-girlfriend-home-for-a-fun-trip-and-return-to-girlfriend-boyfriend life in Korea. Well, different story. That was in the summer of 2009. Then, as the end of that same year was approaching, I was insisting that we had to go home for Christmas. While she had just got a good taste of Canadian culture and the people in my life from home in that first six weeks, I knew that the mood and feeling of Christmas, which I love, is incommunicable. For Koreans, while they all love Kevin in Home Alone and things get decked out some around the holidays, uh, not so much in homes but in the department stores and coffee shops, etc., it's not the holidays. It's not a season. It's mainly just a day off on the calendar, which is mostly for young people to go on dates. It's not a family holiday. Now, I won't go into uh, you know the Korean side in detail now, uh, nor all that the season is for me, but suffice it to say that I believe that if my wife were going to understand me and this culture that is so much a part of who I am and that I love so much, she would have to experience it. Now, it's not cheap for two people to fly back and forth from Korea to Canada, and certainly not for young newlyweds with no money, but we booked a three-week trip for the holidays only some four months or so after we had just been there. Again, trying to spare details today and keep it to the broader point, but let's just say that she's now almost more of a Will Ferrell's buddy and elf uh, about Christmas than I am, and she's down with all the traditions and very keen on creating and sustaining the seasonal mood. And more, our worlds grew closer, and her life was made richer, culturally, intellectually, and emotionally. And of course, the experience of my life moves or stalls with hers. Another big one for us was in 2014-2015, when we did a mini-retirement of sorts, as I took a semester off my classes and then added the holidays surrounding it and spent eight months at home in Nova Scotia at my parents' house. Now, there was lots in the timing of my new job at Hanshin University at the time that made it a kind of then or never, and we understood that it would also be a big opportunity to spend some serious time with my father while he was still healthy enough to enjoy doing things. And more than that, we saw it as an opportunity for my wife to develop deeper relationships with other people close to me and for us to experience what living in Canada actually feels like, what prospects it might offer us as compared to how we might live in Korea. The short account of it all is that, of course, due to the sheer duration of it, this trip was where giant leaps were made in terms of seeing new things and developing relationships with people and places, etc., and for me personally, perhaps because I now had brought my Korean and adult perspective to things, I even learned a lot more about North American life. And my wife certainly grew in terms of culture and worldview. But this trip is also worthy of note just in the amount of money spent and how far it set us back financially and toward our goals of home and car and more time freedom in the future, etc. These are big trade-offs. And of course, this was not seen as normal to many people, it turns out. I think some people thought we were kind of crazy. Like I recall one close friend saying to me at the time, you guys know that people think this is really weird, right? <laughs> but the point for me today, uh, which we definitely understood on some level at the time, is that we're not just working and making money solely to achieve some kind of next step material goals. We're working and making money so that we may fill our life with experiences. 
And in fact, these experiences on top, while seemingly setting us back financially, have in many ways moved us forward in that regard, as we have more value to offer the society in which we operate, especially as teachers. One more big case in point was going to TOSCon in 2018, the Objective Standard Conference, which was perhaps uh, the richest experience of our lives as far as understanding each other and shaping and sinking our worldview. Uh, the Objective Standard is a quarterly journal I subscribe to for several years now, which offers in-depth articles and interviews on applied philosophy to the culture, you know, commenting on all kinds of subfields. And they were hosting their first ever conference in Richmond, Virginia. Now, my 40th birthday had been approaching at the time, and my wise and beautiful and thoughtful and resourceful wife springs in on me one morning. She's like, you want to go to that conference? And I was quite stunned, as I had just talked about it as something that would be fun, but I didn't imagine for a minute that we would ever go. I mean, I expected that we might go to some future event in years to come someday, but it wasn't something for us just now in our lives, or so I thought. Uh, to give more of a picture, after she brought it up, we were back and forth for a few days from actually believing that we were going to knowing that we were just humoring ourselves uh, to ponder it. But at one point, it was for real. She was booking it. We were going. Again, folks, this is not a cheap affair to fly to the States. The conference and accommodations on top were certainly not free. And for any time we take off our private classes in our home, we forego income on top of all that. Now, she did have an old friend who lives in Norfolk, a, a nearby city in Virginia, so we were able to make it about spending time with her and her husband for a while, and then going up to the conference at the end of that trip. And that was wildly valuable in itself, in advancing those relationships while experiencing real life in the States. And I tell you something, the U.S. has a different weight and feeling to it versus living in Canada. And then North America versus Korea is yet another planetary distance in terms of atmosphere and culture, etc., and what it feels like day to day. But I could never get this from a movie or book, so it was deeply valuable staying with them for many, uh, you know, for too many reasons to name. As to the value of attending the conference itself, it was after returning home to Korea that I was inspired to create my blog as a place for me to think out loud and publish the kinds of writings I used to just keep in folders for myself. From there, this podcast was born, something I would never have thought was for someone like me. Again, no details on all the specifics of why I was motivated to do all that, but it was from attending that conference. The inspiring talks and just the energy of the community of people who were all about bettering their own lives, and then the contacts we made, which inspire and serve me still today. We still claim it as a life-altering event. And let me add on this that once again, even for people who were a majority bold, outgoing, self-improvement types, you know, the type of people who attend Human Flourishing and Freedom Conferences, we got many raised and then knitted eyebrows to where it got somewhat embarrassing to answer people who were like, oh, so you flew from South Korea just for this conference? <laughs> like, I think some people thought we were crazy. But while we didn't know to what extent it would influence our lives, and if we had, we, we wouldn't have hesitated to go at all, um, we knew on some level that while apparently crazy, it would be worth it. And it is true that making that trip led us to slightly recalibrate the direction of our lives, and since then, we've been on a faster, more progressive trajectory in almost all respects. Now, as to today's theme... I don't want to just make it out uh, about giant moves like transcontinental and month-long trips. You don't have to do that to gain experience. In fact, when I first thought of this wearing our experience, uh, the first things that came to mind to share with you were more everyday, closer-to-home experiences. And of course, I'm always promoting the idea on this show that our lives are happening now and that we must focus on our daily and even momentary experience of them. So I want to highlight now some lesser, closer-to-everyday experiences. My wife was just saying the other day, as we were out enjoying some morning coffee at one of the places we frequent, how this was the kind of thing she cherishes. 
We're out there sitting in a beautiful environment, coffee shop in the woods with nice furniture and a vast, well-decorated interior, etc., with well-made coffee, talking about life and sharing our feelings and perspectives. It doesn't seem like much, but it's the kind of thing that slows us down and helps us appreciate our lives, reset our focus for what we have to do that day, the week, or beyond, and just makes us richer while serving to align our values ever more closely. I think of our favorite restaurants that we go to, uh, spending a little more on higher luxury hotels or booking an exclusive restaurant when we go off for the weekend, experiences that make our work easier to do and our choices ever more informed and ourselves more personally sophisticated. We feel richer than we would if sitting in those same places with a Chanel bag because you see, we wouldn't be sitting in such places. Instead, we'd be sitting at home with her Chanel bag on our lap because we wouldn't be able to afford daily coffee, let alone weekend trips and nice restaurants. This point here, by the way, goes to a recent interview with David Vexler, 10 Principles of Personal Finance, which I rate as one of the best I have to offer. One of his rules is to focus on fixed expenses versus variable expenses, by which he means maintain a cheaper home, car, insurance, and other larger and fixed expenses. While most financial and saving advice has people stressing out over whether they should buy coffee and order or order dessert with their meal, he says that if you set and forget those bigger expenses, you can spend more freely on lesser variable things without guilt. He puts it another way uh, that he doesn't get the most expensive home, car, etc. that he can afford. He gets the cheapest one he can tolerate. Yeah, I know it sounds like awesome wisdom, so go and listen to that full interview. And this goes to the same point as the Chanel bag. While not a fixed expense, it is a couple grand or something dropped on something my wife might enjoy for a moment or on occasion, but would deny us the freedom to buy a wine we like, to go to a restaurant we like, to buy this gift for a friend, go to whatever coffee shop we we fancy every day, etc. It would deny us these experiences. Now, One might argue that to own a Chanel bag is an experience, and I wouldn't necessarily contradict that. It's really about you and in what way you appreciate it and how much it helps you grow. For instance, one of Hayon's friends thinks we're crazy when we book slightly more expensive hotels, as she thinks with the money she saves by sleeping in a Korean pension with her family in one room, say, they can enjoy more experiences and food, etc. on their trip. For us, we consider it an experience to live in a slightly more luxurious existence for a weekend. It teaches us something. It gives us ideas for what we might incorporate into our own home. And it motivates us to want to work and invest smarter so that we might more comfortably stay at such places regularly in the future. Now, which of us is right in this? I venture to say that we both are. The application of the idea I'm pushing today will vary greatly according to each individual. The only qualifier is that we have to be honest with ourselves about what will bring us the most joyful experience, growth, and genuine value to our lives. We can't just rationalize every choice after the fact. Now, back to just a few more of those closer-to-home experiences that have shaped my wife and our lives over the years. Han has learned uh, cross-stitch, an appreciation which she developed because of her direct experience with Western culture. She took a beer-making class for over a year, uh, from which she's gained a mostly entrepreneurial community who appreciates fine things, and which has also led us to understand and appreciate finer foods and drinks, which now makes you know even our nightly dinner at home a richer experience. She takes a water painting class, uh, and more than just what that does for her personally, the trip out there is a whole date for us. Uh, the area it's in is in a nice new development with lots of startup companies set up there and fresh young people, you know, a kind of Silicon Valley feel that inspires me just being there and just adds that little extra perspective of what living in Korea might look like beyond our own neighborhood. I sit and work in a nice coffee shop in the morning while she does her class, and then we go out on a lunch date at various good and hip restaurants that they got there. And the pleasure I take in those Fridays is something which can fuel my whole week if need be. But we might not be able to afford doing that class, being there and lunching there, if I had already upgraded to the car I really want, yet five years before I could properly afford it, for instance. 
All of these things, and many more I can't mention, have opened Heian's world and enriched her worldview, her outlook on life and herself, her tastes, her home. And then this is reflected in her carriage, in her general being as she meets the world every day. And it's apparent to others. Even her physiology has seemingly changed somewhat. Many Korean friends and family even comment that she doesn't look quite Korean anymore. And many people, parents whose kids who, who we teach and who come here, friends who visit, always comment to her on her home and her outfits, etc., how beautiful they are, how they wish their home looked like this, asking her where she got certain things so that they might buy the same one, etc. And it's always difficult to explain because it's not about where you got something, but how it fits into your own life. And something that works for her or her home might not work for another's. It's hard to explain how the things we select and arrange in our lives amount to a whole that they find attractive. I think this is particularly hard for many Koreans because generally the culture is about appearances and people accept a more common standard of what success is. I have many young students, for instance, who talk as if they would be more mature or more glamorous or more sophisticated if they had more money to buy nice things. But the luxury in our home, for instance, is not in the price of the items, but their selection. And that comes from our experience. Uh, I realized, by the way, thinking of this, that I've actually referred to this for years to my wife as the luxury of selection. So anyway, uh, and like my students, uh, what my wife has identified in many people we know is that they attempt to substitute money for taste or luxury. We know some very rich people who say they envy our home, even though their couch is like four or five more times expensive than ours. But the things Han has picked up, the kind of lighting and light fixtures she has, the little details that create a homey atmosphere and loads else can't be bought with money. Well, except maybe with an interior designer or something. But this is all Han's experience expressed in her home and how she dresses. And I assure you, uh, mostly cheap clothes bought online. How she speaks, walks, eats and deals with people in everything she does and is. And unfortunately for many Koreans, they are baffled that they spend so much money and that while proud of on some level of the achievement of their fresh, expensively decked home, and they should be, yet they don't achieve those satisfying results where they really feel it's truly luxurious. And I must refer to Dagny Taggart here, a heroine of the Ayn Rand novel Atlas Shrugged, who describes this attempt of people to reverse cause and effect. She says, do they think it's all in reverse? Did they think these things would make them glamorous and not the other way around? And this is what I mean when I'm talking about a Chanel bag versus building wide experience. In all, it's about making choices and trade-offs. Should I save now to have for later? Spend now for life experience at the expense of one's future security? How much either way? And then spend on what? Acquiring things or experiences? And then at what balance? These are all questions one must answer for oneself, and there is no right way to live, which is why I said earlier that I'm not prescribing any particular lifestyle or specific choices. However, I said that I do prescribe fundamental approaches and principles, principles to help us set our central purpose, which sets the direction of where we want to go and informs all of our lesser decisions. These principles lead us to ask better questions. So let us repeat, how much do I want things and how much do I want experiences? And I say that because I'm more aware of this issue doesn't mean that I'm hitting the right balance. There is no universal or platonic correct balance that one must discover, even for an individual. We just do our best and adjust as we see fit. But the more I think about why some things are leading my wife and I to thrive and enjoy our lives on all levels, thinking in terms of acquiring experience versus things as we are today, for instance, the more proficient I become at honing better choices. And when I speak of sophistication, by the way, I mean it in terms of constantly growing in that respect. I hope that in five years from now, my wife and I look back on the kinds of things we enjoy today with a slight laugh at how ignorant we were about certain things. 
uh, in this point, uh, by the way, is that everybody has something to teach others about something. So in expanding our experience of connection to various people, we learn from everyone. And we incorporate their wisdom at whatever scale into our own lives. And this is part of what it means to be cultured. I'll add in summary to all this that it is true that higher quality is a value, like in a Chanel bag. I'm just saying that I don't want to put the cart before the horse. The horse here refers to the motive power that moves my life in a forward direction, leading to growth in all meanings of the word. That must be kept strong, healthy, grounded, graceful, and proud. The cart, that is the material things which surround and support my life, may evolve to be safer, faster, more comfortable, etc. And then later, with gold-plated windows and silk curtains, etc. <laughs> I'm getting carried away in this metaphor, but the point is that I do want to add luxury. Only I won't attempt to substitute it for the journey. The ultimate goal is to have the freedom to enjoy the same experiences I do today, for example, the food, the travel, the people, the culture, but then to enjoy these things with increasing luxury. I mean that one day, my wife and I will be sitting on a similar patio, enjoying fine food and wine, only she will have a Chanel bag at her side. But I will never give up the first for the second. I don't know how long a Chanel bag would give us any satisfaction if we're unable to enter the restaurant. Well, that certainly turned out to be way more than I expected to share when I first thought this would make a good theme for the show, and I can't be sure whether the point was made or lost in it all. And that's where you come in. You can please ask me clarifying questions, add comments, or share perspectives related to this theme or anything else, and that will be very valuable to me and to listeners. You can do that at the Mr. Brightside Facebook page at facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca, or you can do it right in the comment section where you're listening now. Um, of course, I also ask you if you please share this, in, uh, this show with anyone who you think may find it valuable, and I'll thank you guys all for that. In closing now, while I'm so pleased with where I am today, I can look back on various periods of my life, where I was and what I liked or did, and be somewhat embarrassed about it. Except I'm not. I wasn't behind anyone or ahead. I'm not ahead of anyone today or behind. I have no way to judge what trade-offs someone has made to put them where they are in apparent financial well-being and what experience that translates to. But there is something that comes across in how much we experience in life, in how much grace we carry ourselves with, and in how we deal with others. It is revealed in every part of our being. And it's also revealed to ourselves when no one else is looking and how much we are truly satisfied with the experience of our own lives. I'm proud, and so is my wife, regardless of what brand bag she's carrying, in the experience we wear as we meet the world. And I hope you are too. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.